I want to spend some of the 10 o'clock hour talking about a very important question. Now, we're going to get our tax bills in the mail in the next month in most places in Wisconsin. And one of the things you'll notice is that the school part of that property tax bill, which is often the biggest part, may have gone up. And one of the reasons for that is referenda, referendums specifically, uh, the, the state's schools spending on average 5% of their education spending coming from referenda. And in 100 districts, more than 10% of their spending. Joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is Dale Knapp, economist at Forward Analytics, to kind of break it down for us. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for having me on. So I read the report a couple times through, and it is uh, sort of startling. This is a problem that sort of existed since the 90s, right, where we are allowing school districts with the consent of voters, let's be fair, to augment their their budgets with referenda. So give us sort of the background on that, and what are some of the concerns? Sure. This, well, this goes back to um, the, the early to mid-90s when – School property taxes were going up eight, nine, ten percent a year, and so what the state did is they came in and they put revenue limits on school districts, so that their the sum of their property taxes and state aid could only grow at a certain rate, which was which was set by the, the legislature in each budget. Um, and but what they said was, we know we understand that there are going to be times where you're going to you may need additional revenue for new programs for whatever that is and we're going to give you the option to go to referendum to you know ask the voters if, if they're okay with that um, and and that's been in place again for, for 30 years now um, and it, it, it you know it, it's worked in terms of keeping school property taxes down for the most part now again there there are exceptions but we're seeing you know school levies grow Two, three percent, sometimes four or five percent in, in a year, um, statewide. So it's it's done that part. Um, but what's happening is, and especially over the past ten to twelve years, um, the allowable increases from the state um, have lagged significantly, have lagged inflation significantly. Um, so that if you look at during that that time period from about 2012 to 23. Um, just a handful of districts, their allowable spending has exceeded inflation. Most have lagged inflation and, and lagged it by a significant amount. And so districts are going to referenda, and um, a lot of times, in, in many cases, three out of four roughly, um, voters are, are approving them. Um, and so the, the net result of that is, in 2023, we have $650 million of school spending is funded via referenda. And it, and it simply raises, I think, that, that the magnitude of that spending now by referenda is, you know, it, it raises the question, is this a good way to fund schools to, you know, put that, that funding, a significant portion of that funding at the, the whim of the voters, and 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 there are there are pros and cons to this. Uh, you know, there are, are there are two sides to this story, but I think it's a fair question to ask. You know, 30 years in, um, you know, is is this this the revenue limit law working as 
well, the sheer number of the referendum, I don't, I'm sure you have, I, I think it was in the report, how many school districts are doing this. And, and, and I, I mentioned the percentages, but in a few cases, 25% of their annual spending budget is from referenda. That's a pretty big chunk of a budget. Yes, and, and we've, we've got a couple of districts. We've got three districts that it's over 40%. Do we, do we so, get a sense of where this money's going? I guess that's the big taxpayer question, right? What, what are you using these dollars for? Well, the... I would argue, I would say that that the the bulk of when you look at at the districts where this is a big share of their budget, um, typically they're declining enrollment districts. And one of the things that this revenue limit law does is, as your student population declines, um, even though you get a per student increase because you have fewer and fewer students, that total revenue number begins to decline. And, 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 and school district costs, I, I would argue, are kind of lumpy, that if, you, if you're losing 30 students over 12 grades, it's difficult to lay off a teacher um, because it, it just doesn't work. At some point, yes, you start to, you have the, the declines and you can start laying off teachers. But the problem is the revenue limit law um, requires you to cut much more and much faster than I think what what school districts can handle, particularly the very small school districts who are, um, in some cases, already combining classes. You know, or I'm sorry, combining grades. Um, districts that are are really down to the bare minimum, where enrollments have been declining for years. There's no place to cut, and so this money typically is going to ensure that they can continue to, you know provide even the, the, the basics um, in terms of, of schools. So it, it's not just a revenue limit law. It's also a declining enrollment problem that we have to figure out how to solve. Let me um, just play you know, in terms of yeah, let me play devil's advocate on it. So if you have a declining uh, school district, it, your, your population is older, their, their kids are gone, the kids are not sticking around in these districts, and I know there's yeah. many places in Wisconsin where that's the case. Should taxpayers be on the hook to maintain what's there for less students, or sh should this drive efficiency that says, you know what, maybe we don't need this, maybe we can streamline a little bit more? So I think you can make an argument that maybe these aren't the best use of our funds. I, I, and, and I think I think there there is some of that. There there is that that in a, in a, in some of these districts, um, there's definitely that that there can be efficiencies. But but when you look at um, some of these districts where, again, where they've been declining for years um, and, and the state has required significant cuts already, they're down to, in, in many of these, they're down to the bare bones. I mean, they really are. And, and so um, the question is, how do we fund those? A good example, the Phelps District in northern Wisconsin. Um, it, it, you know, they've been losing students for, for 20 years. Um, and they are down to the bare minimum. They've had to go to referendum multiple times just to keep, um, you know, the programs, the, the basic programs, the, the reading, the math, the, you know, all the social studies, all of those things um, with very few teachers. And for people to point out, look, it's a, we can consolidate. Well, consolidation doesn't work for them. It doesn't save them much because, again, they're so expansive fewer than one student per, per square mile. The districts around them are in similar situations. So, you know, combining those two, 
it may save a few dollars up front, but you know, within a couple of years, you're back to that same problem of you know significant declining enrollment and revenues continuing to fall. Um, so, and that's where you know, but it's one of the reasons voters are approving them at 75% rates is again because they see that they're at at bare minimums. If you go back to the to early 2000s, mid 2000s. These were only getting approved at 40% rates. So, again, over time, as, as, as there's been this squeeze, voters are approving them at a higher rate. Again, because districts have, many of these districts have already garnered all the efficiencies they can. The, the, some of the numbers are startling. So, in 2000, the number of, for funding was $32 million. In 2010, it was $180 million, and... I was kind of blown away by this number in 2023, the year we're in, 650 million. I mean, yeah. from a taxpayer's perspective, it's like, okay, so I mean, at some points, this is not sustainable because, as I said, that that part of your property tax bill is often the biggest piece. Yes, yes, in, in almost every um, municipality around the country, the school portion is. The, the biggest piece of, of the property tax, and I'm not anti um, I'm, I'm not anti schools. I'm I'm somebody who my, I'm married married to a teacher now retired. I understand sure. the value, but I think to the bigger point, is this a a point of emphasis that says you know what maybe we need to recalculate how we fund schools? Is that where we're going? You know, I, I and I say this in in the in the report. You know, at the end, I think you know there there's no simple solution. To this this problem because again taxpayers at some point taxpayers can't afford anymore. Um, at the same time, we're squeezing schools um, and and we have this declining enrollment problem. But we're now 30 years into revenue limits. When they were put in place, it was a, it, it was originally temporary to see how they work, and then within a few years they were made permanent. But I think we're 30 years in now, and again we're seeing all of these referenda which we're not expected. We weren't expecting to have this type of funding by referendum. It was supposed to be, you know, uh, relatively few. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're seeing that. So I think it, it is time to look at how you know the, the revenue limit law, how we're funding schools um, in a generally declining enrollment um, situation. That I mean we're seeing that throughout the state. Births are way down, and so we're going to continue to see that. Um, and so we can figure out a way to tweak this law um, and, our, and the way we fund schools to protect the taxpayers and to ensure that, that schools are um, funded, to have the funds that they need, you know, at a minimum to keep up with inflation. You know, when, when, when you have a 10-year period where nearly every school, their total revenues aren't keeping up with inflation, and in fact, the gap between inflation and what they were allowed is huge. Um, you know, they're 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 already making cuts because they just don't have the revenues. So I think, um, you know, there there are there are things that we can do um, to to change tweak the law again, protect taxpayers, and ensure that that we have. Um, the, the teachers and the programs to make sure our kids are educated. Somebody, somebody sent me this. Maybe perhaps we limit what you can ask 
the taxpayers to pay for in a referenda uh, referendum. That that might be one of the ways we go. But uh, let me ask. Let me close with this. It's a political question, but I'm I'm sure you're prepared to answer it. In a, in an era of divided government, Wisconsin, do you think we have enough? legislators on both sides of the aisle that are willing to look at this in a realistic fashion and say, you know what, whatever your political leanings are, we, we have to fix this. I guess that's the big question. Um, I, I would say I think I, I don't know if we have enough, but I think we're getting there. And I think the, you know, the, the shared revenue, big shared revenue bill that, that passed um, this, this spring is, is sort of an indication that, there's more and more legislators that are realizing um, that, you know, over 10, 15 years, um, state priorities have shifted away from funding local governments to other state programs, et cetera. Um, and there has been this squeeze. And so they've realized it with municipalities and counties that, that there was this squeeze. And we saw, you know, them coming together to try to fix that problem to some degree. Um, and I think we're heading there with, with schools. I don't know if we're there yet, um, but I think, I think we're, we're getting to that, that point. Dale Knapp, economist at Forward Analytics. I appreciate the conversation. I will, I'll close with this. One of our texters is an expert in school finance, and he says uh, served on multiple state committees and said your guest is explaining this very well, so kudos to you on that. Thank you. All right, Dale Knapp. Good to be on. Yeah, thanks. Well, let's talk again, because this is obviously a hot-button issue with many voters. Dale Knapp joining us from Forward Analytics.